In today's show, we're looking at the Chicago Bulls, their 2022-2023 season, where they go for here, from here. What does it mean next season? Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. The same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to US customers. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So let's look at the Chicago Bulls, a team that struggled again um, yeah, mid is the, probably the best definition I can give this team. Made it in the play-in, won a game, surprisingly, in that play-in, and then didn't look particularly good in the second one there. Um, I don't know. Is it like Where do they go from here? And the thing I guess we worry about with this team is they don't know what they're doing from here on out. Um, and they, they sort of seem to be, and while we can talk so much about the prior regime in Garpax and the mistakes that they made and then you know, all the hope for Kanishevis coming in here. But in the end, it all seems to be driven by Reinsdorf and I haven't been particularly impressed with what Kanishevis has done. Like, what has he done that's been good and he seems to be committed to being on the treadmill of mediocrity moving forward. I worry that they're going to make another poor decision. Yes, not helped by the Lonzo Ball situation quite clearly. But I think they're going to make some... I'm worried that they're going to make some poor decisions here in the offseason and even some of the moves that seem like W's, like you know, I was very critical of the DeMar DeRozan deal, not only, not for just getting DeMar, but giving up a first-round pick to get him when he was a free agent, which is obviously always weird to do. But what did that actually do for your team? Yes, he was great, but what do you get out of it? Nothing. Like it hasn't, it doesn't lead to anything with this squad, and I just worry they're going to do similar things with Vooch in this off-season and just yeah, not being particularly inspiring with some of their decision-making. And we'll talk about that as we go through this. It is a, a very strange team in terms of just where where they fit and where, what their future goals are, because I don't know. Warning, I'm not going to do the laugh. I think my voice is still gone. But Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really get the full, the full-throatedness going on that one. Let's look at this team. 40 and 42. That's not a bad effort, right? That's not, it's not a bad result, for sure. But the way that they built this team the way this team is built, is to do better than this. It's not to be 40 and 42 in the plane. They were 13th in net rating, which is it's a, it's a surprise to me, like 13th in the NBA in net rating, but still weren't able to um, get the playoff, playoffs. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. And I believe this team was one of the best clutch teams last season. And this season, they're one of the worst. And we have ample evidence to, su- to suggest that clutchness and clutch wins, there is a gigantic element of luck in how that carries over year to year. So a team that significantly outperforms their expected win-loss is expected to drop off the next year, and a team, maybe like the Bulls here, 
who did underperform their expected win-loss, maybe they look to an improvement next season. It's a simplistic way to look at it, but it is something that has, shown, has some merit. I also think you'd be really surprised to look at this Bulls team and go, man, well, they were fifth in defense. They must have been awesome because they were fifth in defense, but they weren't awesome because their offense was 24th. Why was their offense 24th? Um, they've got three main guys. They don't take enough threes. And the other players that they play are just bad offensive players. There's just too much low usageness and not enough spacing and three-point shooting. I think that's the, the basic thing there is that guys like Caruso, Desumu, Pat Williams, um, Patrick Beverly, uh, later in the season, they just, or DeMar DeRozan, they don't space the floor. Levine does. Vooch takes some, but not enough. And that's it. Got, there's no three-point shooters on this team. Kobe White, we will talk about later, but that's a problem to me. Their best lineup is really interesting. Again, we look at this for players who ended up the season on the team, over 100 possessions, according to Clean the Glass data. They were a plus 27.2 with a lineup of Patrick Beverly, Kobe White, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, and the big man in the middle, Nick Vucevic. It's Vucevic. Vucevic. So, so what is surprising with this? Or what is the interesting thing about this? Well, A, DeRozan's not in that best lineup. Um, Desumu's not in that best lineup. Caruso's not in that best lineup. How we got into that better lineup is Kobe White, someone who shot threes. And I want to talk a lot about Kobe White, I think, on this show. This isn't indicative of everything. It's not saying get rid of DeRozan and White's your answer, anything like that. But it is interesting when we look at some of the struggles and the lack of three-point shooting that DeRozan provides and Caruso provides or doesn't provide, to be more accurate, and you add in someone who can shoot, one of their only players, and things really skyrocketed. Again, that's not the be-all and end-all, and they had positive lineups with those other players in there. There's no doubt about that. There was a, you know, 24, a plus 24 lineup that was did include Caruso and DeRozan, DeRozan at the four, but also Kobe White was in that lineup too. And that's, again, a very interesting... Out of all of their lineups, I'm just looking at this number now, all their lineups that had 100 possessions and were positive, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of those lineups that were positive, um, with with over 100 possessions. Kobe White was in one, two, three, four, um, four of those 10, which is the guy didn't play a huge amount of minutes. I think that's, and he was in the three, the three biggest plus minus, plus minus lineups, White was in them. If you can't tell, I think Kobe White might be a very interesting dynasty buy target. I'm very intrigued to see what they do here. Because that brings us to free agency. They've only got $8 million in cap space. They've got Vooch as an unrestricted free agent. There is Derek Jones Jr. with a player option. They insanely gave Andre Drummond, the big avocado, a player option as well. I think he'll pick that up. There's Patrick Beverly unrestricted. There's Javante Green unrestricted. And then there's Kobe White and Ayo Desumu as restricted free agents. I am under the... Underst- I don't think Patrick Beverly is going to be back on this team. We'll talk about the Vooch situation in a second because I, I am talking a lot of Kobe White here. I think that... And I, did I imagine this? I, I feel like I read this, that he they, their plan is for him to be their starting point guard next season. I don't. Maybe I imagine that. I, I, I don't think I did. I think it was Joe Cowley that reported it. Don't know. But I think that there is... White changed his game quite a bit this season. He still can be inconsistent. But I, in a dynasty league, I'd be really interested in buying low on White, who you played as a bench player this season who I think might be their starter. It won't be Beverly. It won't be Desumu, who I'm very much down on. We'll see what his contract ends up being. Um, but White 
is someone to watch. As for Vooch, they are probably going to bring him back. We'll talk about him a little bit more later, but he has dropped. Like, he was great with some numbers, but in terms of impact, for what you're going to pay him at his age, it is going to be bad. I have no doubt what they pay him will be bad, and it will further hamstring them, I believe, as we move forward. Whether Jones picks up his player option, I don't know. They should look to bring back Beverly. I don't think he'll come back. And Javante Green. Javante Green was going to be a starter for them and then hurt his knee and then never really returned. And he's, again, an extremely limited player who would put them in a similar position of having DeSumo or Caruso or DeRozan. Those guys that can't shoot. Hustles well, all that sort of stuff, but can't shoot. So not much cap space. If they lose Vooch, obviously, it opens up more cap space. But what are they going to bring in? I don't think Vooch is the right guy for them uh, at center at all. And I think there are going to be some interesting things that they should do. Maybe the white one does happen. I, I don't know. We'll find out. Let's look at their draft prospects because it is really interesting here because they don't have a first round pick or a second round pick. They do maybe have a first round pick. If it jumps into the top four, they get the pick. Otherwise, they lose the pick. They've got an 8.5% chance of keeping their pick. Otherwise, it goes to our Orlando Magic. That's it. It has to jump into the top four. Remember, the only place you can jump up, though, is into the top four. So if it jumps up, they keep it, which is be awesome. And that would change my opinion on what happens with them in the offseason because that means they get Brandon or Scoot or Victor or a Thompson or maybe it's a Walker or they go for a Hendricks or whatever they do at pick four, if they get it, or pick three or pick two or pick one, right? And a lot of that, you know, me talking about Kobe White, if they get Scoot Henderson, well, forget it. I'm not interested in Kobe White. But there is a 8.5% chance of getting a really strong pick here. And they would hope that that happens because they are still out. You know, another pick for the DeRozan deal coming up in the future as well. We'll talk a little bit more about the Bulls in a second, but today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. And you don't take that time to think of what, what do you need from yourself? How do you look after yourself? When you spend all that time focusing on others, it can leave you burnt out, empty, stretched thin. And that's not a great way because if you can't help yourself, you can't really help others successfully. Therapy gives you those tools to find that balance in your life so you can help support others without leaving yourself behind. It's a great way to, again, you can't be someone who is there for everyone else and does everything for everyone else if you can't look after yourself. Because in the end, you will burn out and then not only do you let yourself down, but you let all those other people, not let them down, but you're not there to help them. And you've got to have those tools to find that right balance to be the best person that you are for yourself who can then also be the best person for others. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists if you don't click at all um, at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash LockdownNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's ask or let's answer a question and this is probably the only time I'm really going to talk about this guy here because we don't have any game data to talk about Lonzo Ball. Captain Crunch says, what's Lonzo's future? Or he says, yeah, it's got other questions there. What are my thoughts moving forward on the current big three? And I'll talk about that in a sec. My thoughts on the disappointment of Patrick Williams. Talk about all that as well. Let's talk about Lonzo Ball, who didn't play at all this season. We He was definitely a non-draftable fantasy guy this season. He was never going to play enough. And then obviously the things didn't work. And he's having another surgery, a cartilage replacement which is probably going to keep him out all of 23-24. So we're going to be talking two and a half years out of basketball. Shout out to Jonathan Isaac. At least 
uh, Mallow, not Mallow, Lonzo would have had you know, three, four surgeries in that time where Isaac had one injury and that was it. So we'll see what happens here with Lonzo. He is still a really, really good player. He was an awesome player. He fit his role perfectly. He was just very, very good. But this surgery, it is, it's desperation. And I say that in that, yeah, you've got to do it, but it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee a fix. It basically is, if it works with this transplanted cartilage, then all good. We're okay. He gets, maybe he gets another four or five years out of his career. I don't think it's still going to be a long career, but there's a chance that it just doesn't work. And then that's it. Then he's done. And I don't know what the odds of that are, but it is definitely not, oh, just wait. He's out a year and he comes back the year after and he's ready to go. It is, let's wait a year and then that's it. Like we might not ever see him again. And that is a distinct, that's not like a 2% chance. It's a pretty high percentage. There have been players that have had this thing before and it has worked maybe for a year. There are players that have done it and they've never played again. I think it was Jordan Adams for the Grizzlies had this, never played. Um, I think Festus Azili might have had it. I'm not sure about Brandon Roy, but the track record is not particular. You, you can isolate the positive ones, but the track record overall for this sort of surgery is not particularly high. That is why they've waited a year and a half to try this because if it doesn't work, it's done. And you just, he's, I think he's done. And that is, that's a real problem here, obviously. Now, if you are in a dynasty league, the value, and you are potentially not competing next season, the value of Lonzo Ball is so high that if you can get him for nothing, you do it. But this is not just wait a year and he's back. This is, you wait at least a year and you might get nothing out of it. So if you are acquiring him, if you are picking him up, if you are keeping him on your roster, Lonzo Ball in a dynasty league, understand that you are at a huge, huge chance of getting nothing ever out of it. It is not a one-year wait period. It might be, but it's not guaranteed to be a one-year wait period. And that is the concern. He fixes so many of their problems. But at this point, if you're the Bulls, you've got to try and get a long-term injury exception. I think you've got to try and move off him. Um, It's taking up so much salary cap space. And you can't have any future plan thinking that Lonzo Ball is your answer, unfortunately. And I love Lonzo Ball as a player. It's just really frustrating to be in this situation where we got weird reports. And I think I was on the right side of all of those ones where there were a lot of people like going and adding him and hearing positive news. And it just, it was all bullshit from the Bulls. And that's what they do. They bullshit a lot. Let's talk about DeMar Rosen, who once again was their best fantasy player on a per game basis. Barely, barely. Um, he's 34 though. He was the 30th ranked player in category leagues. He was 14th in totals, 31st in points leagues, 13th in totals. His ADP was 32. I didn't believe that he would be able to maintain what he did the season before. I was correct. I just thought some of that shooting stuff would drop off. It did. Not a huge amount. I think I I probably had him around 38, 39. So I was probably a little bit under on him for sure. Um, but we are very, very much hitting the the age curve cliff. DeRozan's not super elite. He's very solid. Is he, how good is he as an actual player? He's okay. He's okay. He's, he's really good. But as we've seen time and time again with DeRozan is that he's great. And then he pushes you to a certain level. And then there's problems with that. Toronto, San Antonio, Chicago. He's 34. He played 74 games, 36 minutes, 29 usage, almost 25 points, half a three. 
Five assists, which have gone down to Chicago from where he was in San Antonio. A steal. 50% shooting, 32 from three, 87 from the line. He had some weird moments of really struggling to hit from the line this season at some point. Now, what is going to happen to him at a certain situation? He's not going to get clean mid-range looks. He's not going to get to the line as much. And while we might see those assists jump back up, that 20 points will very quickly, in the next two years, I think, become 19. And when you don't buffer it with threes and you have defensive deficiencies and a weird positionality where you probably are best playing as a four, but you're way too small and you can't defend that position. Um, that leads that will lead to, I think, a precipitous decline. Now, his advanced stats were pretty good, plus 2.9 APM. LeBron, 77th percentile, but Darko's not loving him. And that, again, Darko's a forward-looking number. So it tries to project future performance. It's still, the graph on Darko's fine, but you see there was a little bit of a drop-off there. He's 101st in Darko which gives you some sort of an idea that there is some fear that a cliff is coming or there is going to be a drop-off for DeMar. Is it next season? I, I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out. But I think by the time we hit 24-25, we won't be considering DeRozan a top 70 player, would be my guess. And I think it could be a pretty sizable drop-off given the nature of who he is as a player. He was, again, he was great this season. There were a couple of little things crept up with some weird free throw stuff and um, a, a bit of a drop-off from elite Mid-range shooting, but he's still awesome. You can see his fantasy points graph there is still really good. And his uh, impact metrics were strong most of the season. Had a nice little surge towards the end there. He was good for most of the season. But I just, I do worry a little bit about where it goes for him from here. Let's go to Vooch. It's Vooch. It's Vooch. He was the 31st ranked player on a per game basis. He was sixth in totals. Very, very important in my mind. You know my opinion on totals. It's Does it tell you a story of a season? Not really. This is a guy that had a stretch of never playing 70 games because of persistent injuries. And you know what I'm going to say. You can't predict injuries. You can't predict um, you know, if you're going to stay hurt or you're going to be injury prone. or You can't predict any of that stuff. So when you go and look on Yahoo, you'll see Vucha's ranked sixth. You would never, ever consider drafting him in the first round. You wouldn't. It's ridiculous to do that. He got here playing 82 games. He was 40th in points leagues. His you know, total ranks are all really strong. His ADP was 35. That's basically bang on, I think. That's about the right value. Late third round, fourth round. He's also 32 and will be 33 when next season starts. I don't know where he's going to go. I think they will bring him back. I think they will bring him back and overpay him. We saw some drop-offs with him again. 34 minutes fine. 82 games is, is a real key there. 23 usage. He averaged 17 and 11. 0.7 blocks only, three assists, 1.53s, 52, 35, 84. That's all really, really good. All those numbers are strong, you know, really solid contributor. But the limits that he brings paired with the other players on this team, paired with the age, paired with my fear of this contract, I'm very much out. This Darko graph should be scaring the shit out of you. Basically, look at since that start of that 1920 season, he is on a massive decline. And I think it's going to continue. And even like the other stats, like EPM, negative 0.2. LeBron had him in the 69th percentile compared to starters. It's not that strong. For a guy that, when you look at Yahoo, will say he was ranked sixth. And advanced stats and fantasy don't always match together, but they, they can be a pretty good pairing. And when a site like Yahoo gives you total rankings as the value of a player, it is going to completely skew, if you aren't in tune with what he's doing, it completely skews what he's actually like and where this is going. It tells you nothing to say that he was sixth this season. It's a bullshit ranking. 
you wouldn't if you went to bat again. I, I think if you went back at the start of the season and did a draft, you still wouldn't even if you knew everything that happened. You, I don't think would you pick him at six. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. And it, but it doesn't tell us much for the future. Darko's got him 193rd. That's that. These are not infallible. These are not guarantees. But it paints a picture of a drop, of an age thing, the free agency, the impact, how he fits on the team. It is a worry. And we can get caught up and go, well, he was so reliable. He never missed a game. Doesn't mean shit for next season. Doesn't mean that he's going to play 82 at all. He's 33 years old with a history of lower body injuries early in his career. It's no guarantee at all. I'm not saying he's going to get hurt, but it doesn't guarantee anything. His fantasy points graph, yeah, pretty strong. Obviously, played every game. Um, good numbers. Not as good in points leagues as he is in category leagues. We're, we're aware of that. What he did do, he had, some, he had some struggles early, if you look at the EPM graph. And improved a lot as the season went on. Put up some big numbers. They, they were playing some big minutes for players towards the end of the season there as well. As they were pushing to get themselves into the play-in and that sort of stuff. And he did improve as the season went on. I, I, just, I still have some pretty significant concerns about where he lies future-wise. Let's talk Zach Levine. So what do we make about this season for Levine? We knew he had the knee injury last season and they were talking about, oh, we don't really know what's wrong. There's no structural damage. And then, of course, when you have no structural damage, the first thing you do is have surgery, which is what Levine did. Then they signed him to a max contract without really any sort of resistance at all, which I don't think is going to look great as we move forward, but that's fine for now. Um, and then the start of the season came and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, like we're going to have to really manage his knee. You go, what? What, what are you talking about? And then he sat their first two games. He didn't play because of knee issue from a surgery in May that we heard nothing about all the way through. And it went, oh my God, this is dreadful. They just gave this guy this contract. Is his knee rooted that badly? I don't, what is going on? And then he missed the third game in about the second week. He went, this is terrible. He's going to sit all back-to-backs. And then he missed one more game for the rest of the season. He played 77 games. Can you, I cannot believe that after what happened. And you might even remember what happened at the start of the season where he was just sitting games. Not back-to-backs, just sat games, didn't play. Knees a real worry. He's going to be having these management all season. And then just never missed again. Missed five games total, including three out of the first 10, I think it was. Unbelievable. So now, what do we make of it? What, what do we make of his knee? What is the issue with it? He was 45th. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he was, it was a great season from Levine. He has these moments where he gets red hot. And he was awesome towards the end of the season as well. But we also have to remember that he was, I thought, quite bad early on in the season. Was that a knee thing? Was that him getting that confidence back? He was great towards the end, but he also has these weird games that if he's not shooting electrically, how is he impacting everything else? Because he's passing his mid, his defense is bad. He goes missing sometimes. The fit with him and DeRozan is not perfect. He was 45th per game, 21st in totals again, which is amazing considering where you were or where we were feeling with him with that knee injury to start the season. And he ended up playing 36 minutes a night despite having a knee problem that caused him random games missed. 77 games, 36 minutes, 29 usage. He averaged 25 points, two and a half threes, four and a half boards, four assists, 0.9 steals, 49, 38, 85. They're all elite numbers, right? They're all really, really strong numbers. It's annoying that he's only ranked 45th. The reason for that partly is low steals and you would like to get to... like The reason, the difference between, say, him and Donovan Mitchell is steals, assists, and probably three or four points a game. And that... Part of that is DeRozan. Like if DeRozan wasn't there, he could be a 32 usage guy. He could be a 27 point per game scorer. He could be better than this in fantasy. And his impact stuff was unbelievable. I I can't believe how good it was. 95th percentile in wins. 
79th overall in Darko, which is probably a little bit lower than you think. People would look at Levine as probably a top 50 player, but 79th there. LeBron had him 60th percentile. And you look at how bad he was. Look at this Darko graph. He was pushed up. And the start of the season, I think we forget it as well. He was quite poor for big stretches early in the season. His impact was off. He couldn't really find himself. And then unbelievable stretch post All-Star break lifted that Darko graph back up. He's 28, so he's in the middle of his prime. The knee is a worry, so that would push the, the end of his prime, I think, a little bit earlier. Maybe that comes at 31 instead of 33. Like, I don't expect him to produ be producing like DeRozan at age 33, 34. But it was just a very strange season. If I was the Bulls, you know, I, I wouldn't have signed him to this contract, but now that I have, I would be seeing what I could do to maybe build a little bit around him move on from DeRozan, move on from Vooch. So I don't really think they all make sense together at all. But all that's going to come down to is, can, how do you value, how do you get value for those guys back? Levine ideally is a number two, but being a number two to DeRozan hasn't really worked out. So that's why I have some concern. Look, I don't think he's a number one, but him as the number two next to DeRozan hasn't brought out the best in Levine or the best in the team. Is it because DeRozan's the wrong number one? He's got both DeRozan and Levine are number twos. That's, maybe that's the problem. I think Levine can have multiple top 50 seasons here, maybe even a top 30 season in the next three years. But I do think that his drop-off will be one that comes around 31 versus a 33, 34 sort of a player. And then it will be a drop from there. His fantasy points graph doesn't tell us a huge amount apart from those missed games early on and then just played every game until he missed one down the stretch. Again, a very weird... You couldn't have, you couldn't have told me that in October. Hey, Josh... Levine's going to miss games. His knee's wrecked. He's going to sit all games. But he'll also play 70 consecutive games to end the season at 36 minutes a night. You're full of shit. There's no way that's going to happen. But it did. You can see his impact metrics for EPM lower early on, which ties into what we knew about him. And then just an incandescent run towards the end of the season. He was awesome. He was great. And we hope that continues over. But I'm not going to put huge faith in it. Speaking of not huge faith, let's talk Patrick Williams. Top pick, was he top? Was he number four or number five? I don't remember what he was picked. I think he was picked number four overall in the draft. Um, he missed most of his second season. This was year three for him. 152nd on a per-game basis, 93rd on totals because he played 82 games. Again, you would never look at Patrick Williams and go, well, that's a top 100 guy. He didn't have a top 100 season. He was barely rosterable all year. Points league, 185th. He was ADP 144th, which is fine to pick him in that area. You expect him to be the starter, but he literally lost the starting job, I think twice in the season, once to Caruso and then once to Javonte Green, and then he stepped back in, and then he was sort of back and forth. He only played 28 minutes, 82 games. He's still only 21, and he'll be 22 at the start of next season. So there's a positive. 10 points, 4 rebounds, 0.9 steals, 0.9 blocks, 1.43. He's, before I be just totally negative on him, another 40% three-point shooting season. It's not high volume. His usage is still really low. And even when players were out, he showed no consistency in being able to ramp up his usage. There'll be games where DeRozan was out and he'd have 20 points. And then the next game that DeRozan would be out, he'd have nine points and the usage would stay low. He wouldn't be like, right, it's my turn now. Like yesterday's show, we talked Josh Green. Yesterday or two days ago, whatever. We talked about Josh Green and saying that when players were out, Josh Green ramped it up and really pushed forward. With Williams, when someone was out, he occasionally did it. He didn't always ramp up. He didn't have that sort of mentality. But what he did do to get to the positives, I thought he defended really well. And I thought his elevation from being more of a perimeter defender to being a rim protector was really important because Vooch doesn't do that. 
So Williams moved from being a guy that was more of a perimeter guy to being someone who's more protecting in the paint. 0.9 blocks for a power forward is a pretty strong number, and I think that can go higher. The advanced stuff is absolutely not a fan. LeBron despises him. Negative three, that's third percentile. Darko, 337th, is bad. Look at that. Look, that line at the top of that graph is zero, and he's slowly getting there, but he's nowhere near it. EPM's got him as a negative. Estimated wins got him at 65th percentile. His fantasy points graph, the red above the blue is a bad sign. That's more minutes than fantasy points. He just doesn't get involved enough. He is still really young. It is year three. He missed most of year two. I'm not ready to write him off, but I am ready to write him off for the comparisons to Kawhi Leonard that so many people love to give these sort of players who struggle offensively and look like they can be good defenders. Yes, we hear that comparison thrown around all the time for players coming out of college, and this was uh, assigned to Williams as well. I think we can throw that away. But can he be better than he is? Can he have a top 100 season in his future? Yes. What does he need to do, though? Like, four rebounds as a power forward, he's not going to cut it. That 10 points needs to be 16 points. One assist. If he's going to hit 42% of threes, he's got to attempt more of them. He's got to be bombing. And he's just not aggressive enough offensively. So while I'm not out on him, I'm still probably going to be in a position next season where if you want to take a flyer on him as your last pick in the draft, I've got no problem with it. But I am not putting faith in him at this point. At this stage, you need to show me. You need to show me something more, and I haven't really seen it yet. His EPM graph, just yeah, nothing really exciting there. He had opportunities. Like It's not like he didn't have opportunities. He just couldn't do anything with them. Tomorrow, we're going to look at um, fantasy basketball league settings as well. So be aware of that. That's What means it coming tomorrow or the next day? Anyway, we can do the Oklahoma City Thunder season review, and the best settings for a league is coming up this week too. So make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned for that. Let's look at the rabbit hunter, Alex Caruso. Quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Crusoe was 153rd in category leagues, 221st in points leagues. Very obviously, he's better in category leagues and points leagues. He was drafted at pick 121 on average, 92% drafted. And I don't have the greatest memory of this, but vaguely I remember um, that when that ADP started coming up, I was like, I think his rank was like 100 on pre-rank on, on sites. And I said, there's no way I'm doing, I'm drafting him at that spot. It takes all value out. And they, at this that point, they had decided that they were starting Ayo Desumu, which unless Caruso was starting and playing 30 minutes a night, you can't draft him at that 100 or 90. I think he's in 90s in the ESPN. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I, I could be wrong. Um, I, but I still think that they underplay him. He doesn't play enough for as good as he is. He doesn't Now, his offense is horrendous, obviously. But the bloke who they played over him was equally bad offensively. Desumu. 67 games, which is actually more than I thought he played. 24 minutes, 11 usage, 5 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.4 steals, 0.7 blocks. The reason he is so much better in category leagues than points leagues is his value is all in those steals and the blocks out of position. That's it. And that doesn't translate to fantasy points leagues. If he played 29 minutes a night, he'd be a top 110 fantasy category guy. He might be top 170 in points leagues. That's about it. But his impact for this team is always really positive. Darko's got him as the 62nd best player. EPM 88th percentile. LeBron 72nd. Look at that impact graph of how just positive he is continually. And you see it on the court, how good he is defensively. 
the problem you have is it depends who you've got him compared or you're paired with because 5.6 points, 11 usage. 36% from three is fine, but he doesn't get any respect out there. It's got to be in the right situation. I still think they underplayed him. And without Lonzo out there, you, you really needed to go with him 29 a night. Now, his body, can it handle it? Some of this is injuries. But again, he played more games than I expected, 67 games. There were a lot of stop and starts, as you can see on this next graph in the middle here where you know, he started to push up and then he get hurt and he push up and get hurt. And that impacted him. But towards the end of the season, the minutes did drop when he wasn't really that hurt. So I think there's a little bit of mismanagement there. His ceiling, obviously, in fantasy is highly limited because of the lack of offense. He's also 29 as well. So is he going to be a draftable guy? I don't really ever think he's going to hit that absolute upside because I don't think they're ever going to lean in and play him 30 minutes a night. I don't think that's going to be something that happens. In his EPM graph, you can see it's positive most of the season. Did dip a little bit towards the end, but staying healthy for him is the real challenge. Let's look at Patrick Beverly, who Beverly, I think, if I count it right, he has played on, sorry, he's been on seven teams since the end of the 2021 season. Seven teams. He played for the Clippers in the 2020-2021 season. Yep. Then he was traded from the Clippers to the Grizzlies. He never played for the Grizzlies. He was then on-traded to the Timberwolves. Um, and then played for the Timberwolves last season. And then from the Timberwolves, he was traded to the Jazz. He never played for the Jazz. He was traded from the Jazz to the Lakers. He played for the Lakers. He was traded at the trade deadline to the Magic. He never played for the Magic. And then he was bought out and played for the Bulls. So he's been on seven teams in the last two years, and he hasn't played for three of those teams. What a wild... And he might be on a different team next season. He was 194th in category leagues, 183rd in minus one, 218th in points leagues. He was drafted at 139. I liked picking him in the last round of drafts. He was only 6% drafted because I thought, you know, I was looking at the Lakers team and going, this team's bad, and he actually makes sense as a starter on this squad. So if he starts, he might average seven points, but he might get five and a half rebounds and 1.5 steals and four assists. And that's enough as a last round pick to see what they do. Now, obviously we could see immediately that wasn't going to happen um, and you drop him. But I liked getting him in the last pick. He's 35. 27 minutes a night, 11 usage, six points, a three, three assists, 0.9 steals, 0.6 blocks. Very, very similar situation to Caruso, except he's a worse two-point shooter. He's at 40% overall. His impact though is nowhere near the same. And you can look at that Darko graph 35 years of age, the uh, the wall has been hit. There's a bit of a decline, and he just really struggled this season uh, to be as impactful as he was. He, he was bad in LA. He was better in Chicago, and he did help them for sure, but he was a, a big drop-off, and Darko's got him 260th. EPM's got him as a negative. Um, his fantasy points graph, the Reds ahead of the blue, so just never getting fantasy points. He's not going to be that guy, and you know, he's not going to be a fantasy player next season, no matter where he is. So it could be, get his 25, 26 minutes, he'll have little flashes, guys will go out, he'll have his little stretches, but as a long-term guy, not not really that interested in him. Again, look at the LA stuff, like pretty poor, joined Chicago, was definitely more positive, but I think sometimes his um, contributions get overstated. Let's talk about Kobe White, who was given the starting point guard job a couple of years ago and didn't really succeed. We worried about what Kobe White would be. He's like a higher usage guy. How did that make sense with Levine? Um... Yeah, what's his passing? His defense is bad. And he sort of floundered in that role. The shooting wasn't there. And then DeRozan came along um, last season. He was pushed to a smaller role. And even this season, he was in a smaller role. I was pretty impressed with Kobe White this season. 218th in category leagues, 
to 19th in points leagues. Nothing there is exciting. I wouldn't have drafted him. He had an ADP of 142. That made no sense to draft him. But he's 23. He's a restricted free agent. Played 23 minutes a night, 18 usage, and that's the key. He found a way to be impactful while being a low usage player. 10 points, almost two threes, three rebounds, three assists, shot 37 from three, 87 from the line. Like his impact stuff's okay. Plus 2.6 in wins. It's all right. Negative 0.7 in EPM. Not bad. Darko 160th. Not bad. But look at that graph. Look at the improvement for him over the course of this season. And towards the end of the season, everything went through the roof. And they started playing Kobe White more than Caruso and more than Dasumu. And I do think this is going to carry on to him being at least somewhat in line to be a starting player for them next season. He showed an ability, I thought, to be and provide spacing, which they need, but also to be able to work as a lower usage player, as more of a connector. Like, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a draftable star fantasy guy, but if we're looking dynasty, I said DeRozan's 34, right? At some point, I think they might like to pivot to a little bit more White and Levine. I don't know that, but I was very encouraged. And I think a lot of what he did towards the end of the season went under the radar. You don't, I don't think you're going to have to give up huge amounts to get him in a dynasty format. And I think if we're looking at drafting him next season in a redraft, it's probably going to be last pick type territory. But so much water is going to go under the bridge. But there were plenty of positive. Look at that, positive towards the end. Look how the EPM just grew and grew and grew. He got established in his role and he just started taking minutes off other players and was a really key part of this team down the stretch. I'm really intrigued to see where White, what happens with White. Do they bring him back? The size of the contract they give him might be something indicative of where they believe he's going to be. But I would say that it's absolutely not ruled out that he is a starter for them next season. Let's talk about the guy that entered this season as a starter, Oyo Second round pick two years ago, played a lot of minutes with a lot of injuries the year before. And I don't know. He just... I, I don't know how to like... How to phrase what I believe... I don't know. It's it's so hard for me to explain my thoughts on Dasumu without feeling like a hater. I didn't like the draft pick at the time. He's an older player. Um, I thought that a lot of what he was doing last season in 21-22 was based on just excessive volume because of a bunch of injuries. And I made no qualms about the fact that I had no interest in drafting him in fantasy this season, that there's no upside in him. He requires multiple players out to be force-fed the ball. And even then, it doesn't really particularly work well from an impact perspective on the team. And eventually, you're not going to be... He's not a future starter. Like, I had people arguing me he's a future all-star. I don't view this guy as that good of a player at all. He was drafted at 137. Again, once we heard he was going to be the starter, that to me took Caruso out of being drafted, but I also had zero interest in drafting Desumo, and that was the correct way to look at it. He's only 23. He's older than Kobe White. 80 games, 26 minutes, 15% usage. It's not like he didn't play. He had plenty of opportunities. Plenty of them. Eight points, two rebounds, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, 0.8 steals, 0.73s, 31% shooting. So that sort of shooting breakout that he had as a rookie... Fell away. This is what like, he was not a good shooter at Illinois. He just sort of turned back into being the same player. The advanced stuff absolutely hates him. Negative 2.4 in EPM. That's 38th percentile. Negative 1.8 Darko. That's 375th in the NBA. And remember, this is forward looking. He's a young player. It just goes, yeah, I don't know about you. He had a nice little peak as a rookie, and then it really dropped off. LeBron, 7th percentile, negative 2.25. Absolutely all of that is negative. There's nothing good about that looking forward for him. Look at his fantasy points graph. Reds above blues. Just a bad, permanent producer. 
I would, if I'm the Bulls, sure, bring him back. But his role is an 18-minute-a-night backup point guard who I believe is clearly worse than Caruso and is clearly worse than Kobe White. And if you find any way of getting a way to upgrade that position, you do it. I just do not believe in Ayodesumu as a core impact starter-level sixth-man NBA player. I don't believe in it. I am not writing it off because I can't do that. He's 23. He had lots of opportunities, but he's, he's 23. Like, there's still more room to improve, and I could be wrong on all this. But as I said on the Maverick show, like, not everyone's going to be good. And I can't sit here and tell you that everyone's going to be good. Well, if this happens, he's going to be good. Yeah, sure. But when we're talking totality of where we are with DeSumo, I'm 100% out on him for fantasy. I'm out on him for dynasty. I don't think that he's going to have a gigantically long career or at the very least, never really peak as a quality starter. I don't think that's really in the wheelhouse for Ayodesumu. Um, again, really couldn't. I didn't think he really improved much at all this season. I thought he took steps backwards and was overtaken by Kobe White in the pecking order. Let's talk, talk about the big avocado, Andre Drummond, who this insane team decided that they needed to give him a little bit over the minimum salary, need to eat into the mid-level exception and to give him a player option. For what? Like Why? 263rd in category leagues, 242nd in points leagues, drafted at an ADP of 135 in 35% leagues. People legitimately thought, oh, they'll, they'll start him and they'll play Vooch at the four. Like, Andre Drummond's done, guys. He's still not 30, but Andre Drummond, oh, as top 20 fantasy player, was done three years ago. He's... And you know I've been banging on the Andre Drummond bandwagon a long time. He is just bad. Like he, that run where he had in the Detroit and moving to Cleveland where he thought he was the king of the world and would demand every usage. And I blame Van Gundy for a lot of this. Stan Van Gundy from where he tried to turn him into this post-up guy and just change everything about his game. And it went to his head and it screwed everything up. Defensively, he's not the same guy. Now what he is, he's absolutely elite rebounder. So when you're looking for rebound streams, like he played 13 minutes a night and averaged seven rebounds. That's an insane number. And that has use to be streamed in for rebounds. But six points, half an assist. He used to be a good passer, not anymore. Half a steal and 0.4 blocks. 22 usage though, still 22 usage. Like bro, stop shooting. You can't do it. 60% from the field, 54 from the line. Impact stuff was okay. He is a viable enough backup center. Viable enough. Darko, actually Darko likes him, 95th best in the league. I don't really buy that. All right, he's fine. But he's also not someone we care about at all in fantasy. And the Bulls misevaluating, I think, him, um, which, again, limited some of what they were able to do in free agency by prioritizing Andre Drummond. You can get plenty of backup centers who do similar things to Andre Drummond or similar overall value. You can't find someone who's a good rebounder as him, but you can find someone who's a better defender or a better offensive player than what Andre Drummond is. His fantasy graph is, is pretty weird. His points graph, look at those big blue peaks. Like, there's like a 50-point fantasy game there. And then everything else is nothing. Like... When he plays minutes, there is no doubt that Andre Drummond puts up fantasy production. And if something was to happen on this team, and for some God knows what reason, they let Vooch go and decide Drummond's their starter for next season, not ruling it out for this idiot team, he would be draftable. I have no doubt about that because he would go out there and take too many shots. He would grab double-digit rebounds. He'd probably block 1.2 shots and have 1.2 steals. And that's really, really useful. But he played 13 minutes a game this season. They went with Derek Jones Jr. over him at times as the backup center. 
His impact stuff was okay. Like he had a nice little stretch. Like he played okay in that role. But that the problem is, is that we know that you can't really extrapolate him out. Let's talk about Javante Green now, who is another one of those guys who tries really hard. Bulls fans love him, but the knee problem rooted him. 280th in category leagues, 316th in points leagues. He's 30. He's barely played in the NBA. He's 30. 32 games, 15 minutes, 5 points, 3 rebounds, 0.8 steals, 0.7 blocks. They're really good in 15 minutes. They're great numbers. That's 1.6 steals per 30 and 1.4 blocks per 30. That's unbelievably good numbers. 57% shooting, 37 from the 3. That's it's all really good. He's an interesting player, but he's 30. He's had multiple knee problems. His impact stuff is strong. Look at that graph, continually getting better and better and better. But there's a player that I'm trying to think of. He reminds me of, oh yeah, former Bulls legend, David Nwaba, where you love watching him on the court. He goes balls to the wall. He defends well. There's some high efficiency because he finishes everything at the rim. He defensive stats, but can't stay healthy. And he's so much of an offensive negative that it's really hard to play him big minutes. Plus, to give him minutes, you have to cut down on the number four overall pick in Patrick Williams, which they did do in the middle of the season. They said, Patrick, get out of here, mate. Like, we're starting Javante Green. I think did it even last one game before Green got hurt, and then Williams is back starting again. So while there are plenty of encouraging signs here for Javante Green, big advance numbers, really strong efficiency, massive steals and blocks, I don't think he's ever going to get enough minutes to matter. And you can see on this graph, just all of the missed time. Like barely played after like January. Barely played after December. And just another Bulls knee injury. Are they related? I don't know. We'll see. And his impact graph there. Look, all those blue dots are missed games. Not great. The last player I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to go into details on Karlik Jones um, or Marco Simonovic or whatever, Derek Jones Jr. But we are going to talk about their first round pick from last season, Dalen Terry. Now, a couple of things to understand about Dale and Terry. He was a guy that I don't really know how he leads to stardom in the NBA. He was an insanely low usage player in, uh, in college at Arizona, which low usage guys, especially guards, just don't have a history of success translating over. I think he was like a 16 usage player in college. That's really hard to do. And we just never saw him. 485th in category leagues. He wasn't drafted anywhere, rightfully so. Point six, 488th. He's 21, so he's a little bit older as a rookie. He played 38 games. That's even more than I expected, but five minutes a game. Do you hear he only played three G League games? He played three games in the G League, yet they still couldn't find 200 minutes for him in the NBA. Again, it's why I just don't think this organization knows what they're doing. Either play the guy, like you are mid-pack, you're not going anywhere, Either play the bloke or let him play in the G League. Like, what did this season do for us with talent? Like, the numbers mean nothing. Two points, one rebound, half an assist, point three steals, 44, 26, 67. The advanced staff, who, like, who cares? We don't really know. Darko's got him at 256, even though he is a rookie, so some improvement, but still, I don't know. Like, I think the best case scenario, he's like six, seven point guard wing. The best case scenario for him is absolute best case, I think, is Kyle Anderson. Low usage, taller guy who can handle the ball, can't really shoot, but can work on that a little bit and could probably defend up uh, wings. Probably not up to the four that Anderson does, probably more up to the three. But playing him like alongside Caruso or even DeRozan, it leads to problems. I'm not convinced that Dalen Terry, like it's just, it's so hard to be a low college, a low usage college player and then being 
even remotely anything close to positive in the NBA as a guard ball handler. Like you've at some point got to be able to shoot or even got to be able to pass enough to generate enough turnovers to get high usage. Like he's just like this weird connector piece. And unless you are elite at that role, like Kyle Anderson, who was a higher usage player in college anyway, unless you are that sort of a guy, then I don't see how he ever has gigantic impact. It's going to require a DeRozan trade or for him leaving in free agency really for Terry to find a role. And I guess you could step into a role that Javante Green played if he's able to step forward. I'm not ruling him out at all because he's got an intriguing skill set. He's got a skill set like Kyle Anderson where he could be 13, 7, and 7 with 1.4 steals. But the hardest part for him to get to that is the minutes, but also the points because he just doesn't shoot enough. And I don't think he's a good enough shooter. But it's hard. I'm basing a lot of this on what I saw from him at Arizona because we didn't see anything from him this season. He barely played. He played 200 NBA minutes and like 90 G League minutes. It's nothing. We saw nothing. What I saw from him didn't really change my opinion, but we saw nothing. I think we'll get a better look at him next season, so I wouldn't be selling in Dynasty. In fact, it's an interesting buy-low opportunity, but I'm pretty capped on his ceiling because of the usage, because of the shooting deficiencies, and because of just how does he play enough to matter. That's a little bit of my worry. I can show you that APM graph. doesn't really tell you anything. He had a couple of interesting games at points during the season, but but overall, it's just not enough information here. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget, you can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.